This week's episode, I hold dear to my heart. Since graduating college in 2017, me and Kwame have kept in touch consistently, chopping it up about some of our life's biggest transitions. And before this episode was recorded, I was on the phone with Kwame having a conversation with him about some of the rough chapters that I was experiencing in life. And I just needed some advice and he was there for me. And I was like, you know what? I feel like we need to bring this to the Broke Black Bougie podcast. Would you be down to have a conversation? And because he is so supportive, he said yes. I'm grateful for that. I'm honored that I honor that. I'm happy that we were able to get this um, recorded. And I want y'all to know that we did this from a MacBook Air and a cell phone. A MacBook Air and a cell phone. So the content is on point. But as always, we are working towards improving the quality of the podcast episodes. And as we were recording, the MacBook Air was overheating so much that the fan came on. And so throughout the episode, you will hear the fan. Faintly, you will hear the fan. However, it is present and it doesn't take away from the content. But I just want y'all to know that before listening through today's episode. With that being said, I want to thank you all for supporting Broke Black Bougie. I want to give, once again, a special shout out to Dr. Bell, Dr. Bell, for always chopping it up with me and being someone who is safe to share space with, but more importantly, provides insight that helps me grow. So, you know, some of our favorite conversations on the Broke Black Bougie podcast center family dynamics. And as I was thinking about navigating this conversation, I was like, I got to bring my brother back because he truly understands how to navigate this conversation about family, about being first gen, about Black family dynamics and things that we've had to navigate that have been less than desirable, right? And so what happens when you're older and you're navigating your relationships with your loved ones and you're setting boundaries for yourself, but also things don't seem as sweet (laughs) as they used to be or if they were ever sweet in the first place. And so in me returning back to Rochester temporarily, um, I've been recognizing that my relationship with my family looks different. Um, the way I have agency over the things that I am doing, um, my relationship with my sister is different. My relationship with my peace, right, sits at the forefront of what we all like to call black joy, right? And so in tapping into today's candid conversation, I am bringing back Dr. Bell, okay? Dr. Bell, Dr. Bell. <laughs> um, as we navigate a conversation about why returning home is hard. But before we tap into the politicking segment, I want to welcome you all to another episode of the Broke Black Bougie podcast where we create candid conversations for young black women. And it's relatable because we've all been there. Women happen to make it on less than our worth. We do so while setting trends, spreading black assness, and ultimately busting our tails to live our best life. And my co-host today, I want to tap in and see how you is. How you is? How you doing? 
holler at your boy. <laughs> a fool. A fool. I am doing splendid. I am well. I'm here. I'm blessed. Um, and I am ready to have this conversation. Ooh, not the ready. Not the ready to have this conversation. I'm ready to. Um, let's tap in. And if y'all want to know how I'm doing, I'm all right. You know, people who I sometimes they don't even want to elaborate. They, they just I. Right. So you ready? I'm ready. We about to tap into the politics segment. Recently, I came across a post by Mina underscore B. Um, she is a mental health content creator on social media, and I've been following her page for quite some time now because I'm able to just really unpack how my childhood traumas intersect with my adult life, right? And so she made a post about boundaries between adult children and their parents. But she explicitly said that the post is not for adult children who are victims of any kind of abuse from their parents. Please be mindful that this message may not be for you as you proceed to read. And so I read it. And although it wasn't centered on children who have abusive experiences or have experienced abuse with their parents, I still felt there was valuable information about setting up boundaries because I was able to connect to the information that she dropped. And so I want to read what Mina posted about and then break into this conversation for the politicking segment about why it's so hard to return home. We just going to get into it. All right. So Mina said, some parents have a hard time watching their children go from dependency to independence as they age into adulthood. A parent's role begins to shift as their adult children become more autonomous in life. And this can result in parents struggling with the concept of boundaries. I am not excusing harmful behavior in any way. And every parent-child dynamic is not abusive. There are some who struggle with parents who are intrusive, overbearing, and are not used to having limits placed on them because parents are usually the ones enforcing limits. As an adult child, if there is safety to do so, communicating your frustrations and being firm in your boundaries is important for the health of your relationships. Be prepared for a shift to occur because growth requires things to change, and that is not always a bad thing. We teach people how to be in relationship with us. And sometimes parents need to know that the adult version of you has requirements your younger self did not have or wasn't allowed to have. But now there are rules that exist that they need to learn how to follow. Some parents simply need to be called out. They need to know that they, how they make you feel. They need to be aware of their actions its impact, and the consequence for them as well. You have the right to your autonomy, and it's okay to advocate for your needs, even with a parent. Now, I know what I'm about to tap into about how I received it, especially as someone who has had abusive experiences with their parents, and even as an adult continues to see how that shapes our relationship dynamics. Although Mina did specify that the post is not for those who are victims of any kind of abuse with, with their parents, I still received a very important um, 
piece of information, right? Which is how boundaries are important and how it is important to advocate for yourself, especially in the spaces being present with your loved ones. And so my question to you, Kwame, is how do you receive the post and what are some ways you can connect to what Mina said? For sure. Um, based upon the, the post that Mia wrote, um, I feel that I learned that, well, I took away, excuse me, that oftentimes, you know, we we do harbor traumas um, from how, you know, those who, those who are, you know, who, who are blessed to, to, you know, to, uh, to give birth to us, who are blessed to, to pour into us and raise into us, mm-hmm. oftentimes don't. Um, and I feel like it's for a multitude of reasons. Uh, but I think that what it, what, uh, you know, what this uh, piece highlights is like the importance of truly taking the time to create the spaces to really have the difficult conversations, to really kind of tear through these generational traumas. Um, rather that stems from financial insecurity, mm-hmm. rather that stems from, you know, mental uh, health challenges, uh, physical health challenges, um, or just, um, uh, just, just d- general emo- emotional intelligence. And so I think that um, taking the opportunities to truly get to the bottom of what's causing the separation, what's causing for for you know our parents or even our elders to not understand what is preventing the click you know from from occurring, what is stopping that light bulb moment um, that is necessary you know in order for us to truly excel you know as a first generation college graduate, um, I face so many roadblocks um, just simply because I didn't have the you know, the parental support that I needed in certain areas. Mm-hmm. And my peers didn't understand that, and they still don't. Right. Um, they still don't understand, like, how just something as simple as um, picking up a phone call, saying, hey, son, or, um, you know, uh, or, you know, um, you know uh, setting aside money to send your children care packages. Yeah. Or... Or, you know, deciding to, you know, you know like, I, I kind of do want a new living room set for the house this year, but I know my child is off in a university or or they're going through some t- type of educational program or some, some type of job or employment or, or readiness training, mm-hmm. and they're going to need monetary support. Right. So, you know, I'm, so you know what I'm going to do at, like, as a parent? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that sacrifice. And, you know, and say, you know, I'm not going to buy that new furniture size this year. And, um, and, and those are the sacrifices that are, are the foundation, you know, at least to, to me, of what it means to be a parent, right? Mm-hmm. Is, mm-hmm. is that you think about what is it that my child needs and, and why, right? And how does this help them in the future because one day they're too, they're too going to be uh, um, weighing, you know, you know those options. Like, how do I support my children and my family versus my own individual needs or my own desires? And when you're a family, you think about like, how can I make a decision that's going to help improve or that that that's going to pour into my family? So that's what I took away from Mia's uh, post. 
Mm. I definitely share those same sentiments because even earlier today, um, I made a post that talked about children, right? And how children don't owe their parents anything. I will die on this hill. And I said, I'm going to die on this hill too. Because I feel like, hell not. Children don't owe their parents anything. But so often, especially when you grow up in a, a space um, that the the foundation of the family unit is fragile because your parent might have trauma that they haven't worked through or they may see parenting be a certain way that is much more assertive and, you know, self-centering their needs and not really the needs of the child. It can be very frustrating. And I felt like in my upbringing, when I think about certain dynamics that I had to navigate through, I was taking agency over, over, you like, I, I had agency for myself and I would push back on certain things that made me feel uncomfortable within my parenting, my, my parents' parenting style, right? Whether it was how I was talked to, whether it was um, how discipline really wasn't like discipline, it was abuse, right? Um, whether it was, you know, I'm telling you that I see that there's something wrong in this household that needs to be changed and you have a problem with it and feel like I'm stepping into the boundaries of you not grown. Like, oh, you, you think you've grown, you can have a voice. No, I think children should have a voice. And I think children should be honest about when their needs are not being met. And when they see that their parent is doing something that is harmful, right? And so when Mina says sometimes parents need to be called out, it's not just that parents need to be called out just to be called out, right? But it's like, if you are doing something in our relationship that is harmful to my self-esteem, that is harmful to how I see myself, that is harmful to how I'm trying to, 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 to figure out this thing called life, that it needs to be addressed. And if you are a parent who lacks having accountability, then it becomes very hard for us to heal from the existing trauma that exists within our relationship. And so... I really agree with you, whether it's a parent, whether it's a guardian, we go through these cycles of sometimes feeling like we're, we're, we're at capacity, but we're giving more than we have, especially as children, because it's like, well, you the child, you know, you're supposed to be supportive of shit, even if you don't agree with it, or, you know, a parent love to say, uh, you're supposed to obey thy mother and thy father, but it's like, if thy mother and thy father is causing thy problems... I'm not obeying harm. Period. <laughs> like, it's like that ass. And so this goes for the grandmothers too, who who raising babies in the family, and 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 other guardians who may exist in the black family. Like, if you are causing causing harm, nobody needs to to obey to 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 obey that. And so when you become an adult and you start to reflect on these dynamics, it's just like, damn, I recognize that. You know, certain things I did not have to experience. And when you set up boundaries, it's like your relationship looks different. You can't do for this. You don't want to come to this event. You know, we got this going on. You don't make calls anymore. You're not really tapped in the way you used to. And it's like, no, because I have to go through my individual healing journey because of the relationship dynamic 
that have existed between us. And so I say that all to say this affects the future, you know, between loved ones and the child, whoever the child, whether you're the child, you become the adult child, whatever, it affects relationship dynamics. Case in point to this day, it is hard for me to feel comfortable in my hometown of Rochester because of these experiences. I think for the longest time, you know, you you and me both had a conversation like this, like being from Rochester, um, our families... Like we talk about our family dynamics, we talk we talk about what motivates us, we talk about things that we want to see change in our hometown, and I think for the longest, I recognize that it's not that I have a, a hate for my hometown, but I hate the experiences that I had to face as a child, and how they have spilled mm-hmm. over into my adulthood, and so mm-hmm. it makes me feel like with all of the conditions that Rochester's face being one of the most impoverished cities in America, I've also faced a lot of internalized struggle with my my immediate family. And that has made me not want to return home, right? Or reflect on how I can be better with my boundaries. So it's kind of quite hilarious that in me returning home to Rochester... I'm seeing how those dynamics have made me feel tighter with my boundaries or, or even create stricter boundaries and looking at like, oh, okay, when I do make my big move at the end of this year, how am I going to show up in the future? And it's like, oh, even less to protect my peace. <laughs> mm. and, 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 and what I would say is that, it's like, so growing up, right, oftentimes we heard our elders say, that a child, you know, should be seen and not heard, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so nobody ever thinks about what happens to that child that was screaming so much to be heard, um, but they never were allowed to be heard. What happens when they finally grow up, right? right? What happens when they're finally at a point where, they, you know, where they're, they're like, I don't give a crap what you say, I'm going to be heard. And, and that's where, you, you know, like all the all the pain and all the strife is, is poured out at that moment because there's decades of, or, or years of, of, of holding in so much pain. Yeah. So when you finally get the opportunity to, um, the whole idea of boundaries is foreign to your, um, you know, to, to, to those who once tried to police how you as a child showed up. Right. So even the idea of boundaries, um, is foreign, um, to, um, you know, to individuals who've had their whole lives kind of like policed. And so when I hear the idea of, of boundaries, because this is something that I've had to truly work with with this past year. Um, this is something that I truly have to look in the mirror and ask myself, like, what are my, what are my boundaries? And, um, like, am I enforcing them? And, w- and, w- and when are there moments where I should be enforcing them? And if I'm not, why am I enforcing them during these moments? And and uh, when I broke it down, a lot of the um, the the defining of boundaries, you know, stood as a struggle for me because I didn't feel as if I had you know jurisdiction completely over my body, mm. right, over my mm. body and over my thoughts, mm. like and. And it stems from like from from sayings like that that a child should be seen and not heard, and that if I 
bring you into this world, I can take you out of it. Right. So this conditioning and instilling of fear are all these tactics that are societal in nature that seeks to control, you know, like a developing body and a, and a developing brain. It seeks to control the power that is within us. And oftentimes our elders don't see it that way because when they were, you know, conditioned as well, um, a lot of their conditioning, especially being, you know, foundational Americans, foundational mm-hmm. black Americans, mm-hmm. um, a lot of their understanding of boundaries was rooted in fear, right? right? It was rooted in, um, in, in, in the, the needing to survive. And so I think when we were, you know, born and, and came around, like, the ideas of us having any type of opinion or voices were, were like, you know, like, child hush, like, you know, like, go to your room, or I'm not trying to hear it, because they're still living through these, you know, through this, you know, mindset of, like, a fear. Right. So much to the point where, like, having a boundary um, to, to your parents, is a no-no. Like we can have boundaries to the system. We we can have boundaries to to those who who put policies in place to oppress us. Mm-hmm. But we are not going to have policies in this here family. So I'm going <laughs> to say whatever I want to say to you, and I'm going to make you do whatever I feel that you should do because I'm your elder and you're going to do it. And I don't care how you feel about it. Um, but what 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 is how I feel about it is is traumatizing me in so much of a manner that now I'm paralyzed in the sense of of furthering, like, my understanding of self, furthering my understanding of what it is that I deserve, and um, how to go about, you know, to get those things. And so sometimes we don't think about the implications of what we say, how we deliver it, and the history that's involved in, in the abuse. Right. that that gives rise to where we are t- t- today and so yeah like our parents and our families could do us all a you know a, a, like a service by truly just taking that time to get to know who they are um and get to know how like who they are and how that kind of shows up and impacts everyone around us and i want to say one more thing um i was on social media, I just had to be a couple of days ago, and I came across something, and I believe it was a, you know, like like a quote from someone that basically said, um, you know, it, 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 it was a, you know, a short space statement to parents, right? And it basically said that, you know, one day, you know, your children is going to look at you and know who you are, mm. right? They're going to look at you and be able to know exactly who you are even though you spent so many years trying to hide who you were to them, they're going to grow and develop as adults and figure you out. Mm. So why not be honest? Why not do the work now? So that way you can be a true reflection of who you are to your children. So that way when they grow up, they're not, you know, uncovering and trying to heal you for you. Mm. I'm so glad you shared that because... As kids, sometimes we see our parents for who they are, even in the midst of them hiding, right? And I think that's one of the things that I saw early on. I knew growing up that what 
me and my siblings experienced were not quite normal, right? Whether it was um, us visiting family members only for like 10 minutes or so at a time and not staying too long, not because we couldn't stay too long, but we didn't want to get into conversations that would actually reveal what the fuck we were experiencing. Um, we didn't want to get yelled at for talking about what was really happening in the home. We were in a, in, in a, a sense conditioned to operate um, in a way that protected the help that we needed. And that wasn't protection at all. It was actually very harmful. So it's quite, it, it, it's quite interesting to think about it because um, in me coming back home to Rochester, I had a conversation with my aunt. And it was like a come to Jesus moment because we were crying so heavily about some of the trauma that, that we experienced and some of the things that she saw and having her apologize to us because she said that she wished she, if if she would have known things would have been different. And so part of her apologizing was because she wished she could have done more to, to assist, to help assist her brother um, to be transparent about, you know, how, the, how, how she saw certain things. She just wished that she was more present in that sense. And it was like, for me and my sister, you, like, while we appreciate the apology, it is, this is not your fault. And there's no way you could have known what was going on because we were told to be quiet. And I think the quietness that exists when a child is told to stay in their place and told that they have to operate this way really can be detrimental when the foundation of the household is not where it needs to be. Like you're on the verge of of, of crumbling. And when we see our parents for who they are through the mask, when we see through that mask, sometimes it creates tension. It creates tension in a way that cannot be safe for the child. Um, and I say that from my personal experience, because when I would call out certain things or see certain things that was just like, no, like we can't be talking to each other like this. You can't be talking to me like this as a child, like this is not okay. Or I would hear conversations surface about like, you know, you think you know everything you want to pay a bill. Uh, how about you? Um, what's that favorite thing? Say, oh, oh, how about you give me all, all the money that I ever spent on you back? And it's like, yo, let's, let's, let's take a step back. <laughs> And recognize that as a child, I did not ask to be here. And one thing you should never tell your child is that they are in debt to you for everything you've done to them because you were supposed to do it. You were supposed to do it. You were supposed to figure out how to take care of this human that was conceived by you and did not ask to be here. And so those type of dynamics when the mask is off, like fuck it, mask off, for real, for real, and we see things for what they are can lead to conversations that can be uncomfortable between the adults and the child or when the child becomes an adult it can be the reason why people decide to establish boundaries but when we do when we do see the mass and the work is still not being done to work on the parts of ourselves that needs healing it creates more catastrophe mm-hmm. you 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 touched it on the now like when you just said that like I just started having like kind of flashbacks of like moments that I've had with my parents. And I recall one time my mother, this was actually um, uh, uh, a few, um, this, this is 
actually a few times she's she's actually said this. Um, so um, so my mother's uh, m- mom, which is my grandmother, yeah, she she passed away several years ago. She passed away in two thousand and one, mm-hmm. and I was just uh, eleven years old at the time. And so, um, fast forward to today, like so my mother would get upset about certain things, and she would say things like, "Oh, well, that's why." my mother always told me that I was doing too too much for her y'all or that I was spoiling y'all too much and it was you know put this this complete like disgusting taste in my mouth when I would hear that because it would make me for one angry that my grandmother who's now deceased would think that you know her child my mother pouring into her children in any way was ever too much mm-hmm. um and it also made me upset with my mother for her to even internalize that and think that the efforts that she's doing to show up for her children is too much and that she shouldn't be doing good um and so like that alone i feel like i feel like there's always folks like who are either out older or outside of the home and this could be folks who are either in the church like part of the church family or part of the work family um, that tries to impose their own parenting styles or their own beliefs onto our parents, mm, right? Mm-hmm. And so what that does is that creates sort of this, uh, this almost like this cognitive dissonance in, in, like in some way in which our parents begin to battle with like their own like innate feelings of parenting yes. versus what they experience and hear from those outside of themselves and so they feel like hmm well such and such is doing this and so and their kids are doing that so it must be effective and so they try to model these things but be unknowingly um perpetuating harm and so it it, it really hurts to the core to to revisit that and to see that um it has such 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 strong and such deep implications on like how we show up today and uh and and potentially tomorrow Mm. absolutely i agree a thousand percent and it's hard because you like especially if a parent this is their first time this is their first go around you know, or they haven't done the healing that they needed to get before they became a parent. They take on lessons of individuals who they think this is the right direction. Like, I think yelling at you and cursing you out and hitting you and beating you into submission is going to resolve what you're doing wrong. I think that Oh, my mama told me that I needed to operate with y'all in this way. And this is why y'all operating like this. And so that makes me feel like y'all out of line. It's like, no, maybe, maybe your child is not out of line. Maybe the, the, the tools that you're taking on from your loved ones, your friend at work, you know, your mentor is not the most effective approach that you need to build that relationship that you desire with your child. And your children are people. Whether you like it or fucking not, your children are people. They have their own individual ideas, their own fucking personalities. Yes, you are there to help frame their, um, no, fuck the framing, to help support their evolution, right? That's the whole purpose of a child being a child. But 
they are not going to like, thinks, want to experience the same things that you expose them to. And so when they go in an opposite direction, when they move to the beat of their own drum, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're a problem. That they're a problem, that they're a problem child, that they don't know how to get, get the fucking line. Right. And those are narratives that we hear also often, especially sometimes within black families that are not um, are not in a healthy way, allowing children to to be kids. And for many of us, we have to assimilate the role of adults at an early age because we see the trauma that is happening in our family, whether it's with finances whether it's with sexual abuse and protecting ourselves from 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 the, those dynamics whether it is with physical other forms of physical abuse that happens within within our household dynamics and this is not to say that this is something that exists with every black family but for those that it does exist within our our, our family dynamic we got to be honest about how to address this shit because so often we sweep things under the rug or we feel like if a child is operating in a certain way or growing up too fast, that they're the problem. And they're not the problem. Maybe their problem is the environment around them that is conditioning them or affecting their ability to live as a kid. It's it's quite interesting. And, you know, I, I say it's quite interesting because I've been doing a lot of reflection about my upbringing as I'm doing more writing, as I'm... um in therapy more, right? And also sometimes not even wanting to, to, to have certain conversations with my therapist because I'm like, am I ready to unpack this right now in my life? But I had a conversation with my sister and we were talking about how we never really had the opportunity to be kids because we saw too much trauma that was happening within our household. And while people were out going to movie theaters with their friends or amusement parks or just being outside doing kid shit, we were often in, inside being crippled by the pains that our parents were facing. And those dynamics affected us even well into our adult years where the role is kind of like the, the role or the expectation is that we'll figure it out. But we've been figuring out since we were kids. And so how do we set up these boundaries to make sure that we can figure us up out, out now? Because clearly there was healing that we needed that we missed at a young age. And so now we have to kind of go back and regroup to work on, I guess, to simply work on the things that we always had to go through in the first place. <laughs> basically and ask those difficult questions and and continue to hold folks accountable like people don't want to be held accountable so they usually run away mm. when it's time to be held accountable and and so yeah i guess to to, to to continue off of that like yeah just to just continue like holding those difficult questions um sitting in uh, difficult spaces sitting with yourself i know you just said like you sitting with yourself with you know standing your writing like so many people don't realize how like liberating and freeing that is to to just sit with yourself even when you want to go out on a friday or saturday night mm -hmm. sometimes just sitting alone with you at yourself letting those feelings come in like why am i alone right now on a friday or saturday night 
um, why don't I want to spend this? Or why am I spending this? Or why do I want to go to this place and be around these people? Ask yourself these questions. Get to the bottom of, like, who you are and what is it you want from, from you know, the world. And manifest it. Come on, Dr. Bell. Talk about it. That was a good politicking segment. I think it was short. I think it was sweet. Um, I think it did what it need. Okay? did what it need. And now we can pivot to our next segment, which is, wait a minute, talking about some of the things that we've been tapping into or listening to that has made us pause. Be like, yo, you know, let me let me dig into this a little bit further. Let me figure out what it is that I just watched or listened to. So, <laughs> I want to know um, what is something that you've been tapping into lately, recently, last week, whatever, that has made you take a pause? Child. What haven't I been watching and listening to that make you want to take a pause out of, out of just existing? Um, <laughs> to say the least. But, um, wow. Oh, wow. So, since we're in a hot topic, the first thing I'm going to talk about is this jump between Khalees and Beyonce. <laughs> you going to talk about them. I'm about to talk about somebody else. But, yes, go ahead. Go ahead, please. <laughs> So, just like the whole idea and the whole um, concept of intellectual property, um, and also just respecting someone's artistry, respecting someone's personhood, mm. and just being true to what it is you talk about. Like, me, me seeing, you know, like, a, you know, and it wasn't just with just Khalees, right? I want to say, like, maybe two and a half weeks ago. It, it was Robin, mm. <laughs> you know, mm. and so like to kind of just see how much capitalism causes us to uh, kind of straddle the freaking fence. And what I mean by straddling the fence is that Yonce, who who is my girl, you know, love her down, but how she's caught up in this perfect storm of of the past and the present, right? So yeah. the past in the sense of, like, how we, you know, were suppressed within a system in which uh, we didn't... Uh, it was almost impossible for a Black artist and intellectuals to, to own their own intellectual property, to own their rights to their music, to own their own art, right? Um, and to see how... Uh, moving forward, we talk a good game about uh, like Black Lives Mattering in, in the sense of ownership. But to see that not being the case, it's sort of like a slap in the face of like you know true activist work. Um, because like how do we like how do we uplift one person while throwing another person under the bus? And I feel like that's exactly what has you know, transpired with the Robin and the Khalees and Beyonce, you know, uh, situations. Um, because individuals have been impacted by this. So we can just say, oh, girl, she, Beyonce didn't even have to put um, Khalees' name down here. She didn't own rights to the song. Yada, 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 yada. And that may very well must be the case. She may have not owned rights to the song. But 
as we move towards a equity-based uh, society, right? Like, that's the focus, right? Like, that's how we talk about reparations, right? That's how we talk about Black Lives Matter. Because we want to reimagine what equity looks like for our community and our people. And so the fact that this transpired and it wasn't an example of, like, to me, true equity, true equity, of course, is paying. So, yes, she did put, put her name down as, like, on the credits. But it's also about respecting the personhood, calling your homegirl up. Mm-hmm. Aren't we a c- community? Aren't you guys all celebrities? You guys are probably much more financially secure than I am. <laughs> but you guys right. couldn't take the time out to make, make a few phone calls, drop a few emails, you know, say, hey, girl, I'm about to do this. Um, a matter of fact, girl, have a few comments to, to, into the studio. Let me have you um relay those vocals you know but on my album you know like 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 there's so many ways that we could empower each other and also pay each other and also respect each other Mm. and i feel like this is an example of of the work that we have to still do i love your analysis um even as somebody who's from the high like which you are down Okay, Um, I love your analysis because that's so important. And I think we often miss that. Like we be so quick to shit on people when they advocate for themselves, uh, especially a black woman advocating for herself. But we don't recognize that when we're in those same places, we want to be heard. We want to call out things that maybe may feel uncomfortable, even if it is a fave. Right. Just because Beyonce is Beyonce, it does not mean that she can't be held accountable if someone feels harmed. And although she may not be the person who directly caused it, it's important to have a space where we can talk about these conversations in community with each other about how to create a resolution. Because we know that the industry is a very violent place for Black women artists. We know that the industry also practices erasure we know that the industry is harmful especially when it comes to finances we know that the industry is harmful to black artists especially when they deserve the proper acknowledgement and awards and they don't get it it wasn't just too long ago when hip-hop was actually able to be fucking allowed to 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 be at the grammys hip-hop artists Nicki minaj still doesn't have a fucking grammy that don't make no sense. We know erasure is a very real thing. We know that Anita Baker just got back her masters. Okay, so it's like these conversations are not held individually. They're held together, understanding the intersection of how all of these things take space. But um, what I definitely want to say is I did listen to the album. I thought it was great. Um, it is an ode to ballroom, which is an ode to black culture, which is an ode to house music, which is an ode to black elevation and peace. Um, but just because something is a great project doesn't mean that when people say they are harmed, we don't address it. And we don't know whether or not they did address it. Hell, Beyonce could have made a call. You know, you know, uh, B do secret calls now. She, she called people up, but she's also a very powerful force within the industry. And I think we we see that not only by how fans respond and show up to conversations surrounding Beyonce, but also how the industry shows up 
um, in support of her. Period. Mm-hmm. 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 And I'm all for folks supporting her. Like, I mean, I support Beyonce down. Like, I was, was a young kid with a laminated picture of Beyonce in my, in my elementary school planner. Well, excuse me, middle school planner. So, so I've been writing Same for Beyonce for like the dawn of time. <laughs> but 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 I definitely think yeah, like this is not you know too high above red reprieve. And I think that is important that we you know bring everybody back down to earth for a second. Um, especially if sis can send out you know ID Park packages in the mail, she can pick up a phone call. She can pick up and make a call if she hasn't. Or she can, you know, uh, 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 like find ways to help address this because this is becoming all too common, especially surrounding like her brand and her name. Mm, mm. That's deep. That's deep. And, and I, I respect it. Sometimes we idolize people so much that we don't even feel like they have to do the things that we as non-rich folks have to do in order to make things work. Because it's like... I'm that bitch. You are that bitch. You are. You you the you the one, honey. Um, but we idolize people in such a way where we're like, oh, they don't have to do what we do. And it's like, no, they do, because they they're still human. So I respect that. Uh for me, baby, I had to stop and take a pause on another celebrity situation that I felt like we talked a while back. And this might we we, we might be going into some rants for this one, but um, I recently reviewed Will Smith's apology video um, <sighs> to Chris Rock. You know, I had to go there. And I don't really watch a lot of te- television as much as I used to. Um, I do be on social media more often because I have to have to be, you know, but I'm also trying to take breaks. But like that pulled me in. I watched it. And I had a lot of thoughts in my head about the memes and the situation and abuse and um, what it feels like to be violated publicly, right? And uh, him taking a stand for his wife and why we should always protect black women and what that represents and what that feels like. And also, like, once again, the intersection of the industry, reputation, being a black actor uh how the future of your your livelihood could be changed by something that you do the white gaze and how the white gaze affected the conversations we were having in our community about protecting black women and also the relationship between black men it's just it's a very complex discussion and so i want to say that what I received from the video is that it's okay to own up to things that you feel are mistakes. It's okay to own up to the harm that you've done to other people. Even in taking a stand for what you felt at that moment was right. And so, although it's been three months later, I felt like Will did a great job in talking about... um his emotions, navigating it, recognizing that he not only harmed Chris, but he also harmed, he physically harmed Chris, probably emotionally too, shit, but how other people were impacted from that, his mother, his brother, right, other members of the family, 
um, answering some of the most pressing questions that people had, right? I feel like sometimes when things are so public, people always be like, the w- if you violate me in public, your apology need to be as public. And it does. And I think he took a step at showing, like, when you do things that are harmful to people, you got to make it right. Um, I still stand by the fact that I didn't give a fuck when Sam. you first sm- slapped him. <laughs> I really Sam. didn't. But now thinking and, and, and understanding his emotions surrounding it, like, baby, I don't know. This shit will make me talk in circles, but I just wanted they to know what were your thoughts. They were calling my boy a simp <laughs> for that. Who? They were calling out my boy Will Smith a simp for <laughs> even making the statements that he made. Basically saying that, you know, he... He, he, you know, he sh- 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 shouldn't even have had to do that. Yeah, but being course, black. Mm-hmm. The intersection. That intersection. But of course, but of course, you, you know, like he did, right? Because of, because of, like, like you said, his reputation and all that. Um, but can, if, if, I, if I could say this, and, 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 and apologies for um, interrupting. I feel like I interjected. No, I, I, but, want, um, I want your feedback. Please, go ahead. <laughs> okay, thanks. So, um, like, even when you said he mentioned that he didn't realize that he hurt Chris's Rock, Chris Rock's family, I just thought about it, like, myself, about, like, how, what that looks like with him hurting his mother, mm-hmm. you know, his family. And, yeah, if you think about it, right, like, she probably sacrificed a lot. Oh, like, this brings up a lot, an, an, another point of intersectionality, but I'm mm-hmm. going to get to that right after this. But Period. she she um sacrificed a lot, right, to ensure that her son was in a position to to be as successful as he is now. Right? And so, um, you know, being you know, being his mother like like I'm not completely sure of Chris Rock's family's background and about his family's support and like his parents and all that. I don't know much. But um giving them the benefit of the doubt, I'm gonna think that, you know, his mother was very much present in ensuring, you know, in some regard, that her son become a, became a successful comedian and actor. Mm-hmm. And so, him being hurt was like, damn, like, I thought I could do everything that, that, that I could do to prevent my son from being attacked like, like this, being being hurt. You know, like, like, that's where I'm assuming that, you know, the mother could take, you know, the approach that the, the, the mother took. Like, you know, I sacrificed a lot for my son to be here. I never thought that he'd be in harm's way, especially after amounting so much success. But mm. this brings up another point that, I'm, that I wanted to talk about was that, is it that she felt that, you know, that, she, you know, because we're always, you know, saying that we're trying to move out the hood, out the ghetto, right? Mm-hmm. We're always talking about moving from the hood, which is predominantly filled with people who look like us, who are black and brown, yep. usually. Mm-hmm. And so her being upset by, you know, being impacted by or being fearful, as, you know, the narrative was, that's only reinforcing this idea that, you know, we cannot be safe amongst each other. Black men cannot be safe amongst one another. And so, for, and so when his mother says things like, oh, I was afraid for my son or fearful, in some way, I feel like she's perpetuating, um, you know, this narrative that, you know, that, like, black men are not safe while other black men. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I feel you. Let me in. <laughs> and right, and so and so like like that was a hard pill for me to swallow. Like hearing that, um, it was hard for me to swallow hearing Wanda Sykes say that she was afraid. Like 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 this man was coming in there with a, an assault like rifle. Okay. You know, like that's something to be afraid of. But but you. You uh, you just literally perpetuated this narrative that black men are, are fearful, mm-hmm. even when they're enraged, when when they rightfully have the human capacity to express that emotion of rage, that they're not allowed to do that because we as a society would automatically deem that as harmful. Uh. We all deserve to, to be afraid. We all deserve to to express rage. But why do we have to perpetuate that and, and align that with a black male who's expressing his his feelings, um, and and in regards to being disrespected um, on national TV, mm. and in regards to his family and his wife being disrespected on national TV, and that should should have been enough right there for us all to say, you know what, Chris Rock, you were wrong. Um, this needs to be dealt with, and it's uh, it's unfortunate that it, it that it, it resulted in you being assaulted. But at the same time, there needs to be again what we talked about, you know, on a previous episode, this idea of boundaries. Like he didn't recognize that, bro. You need to have boundaries when you're talking about people and when you're getting on national TV to pull apart someone's disability. There needs to be boundaries, and like people keep over, people keep missing that part, and I don't understand why folks keep missing that part. But yeah, it's oh, you said so much that I just wanted like this could go on for hours and hours. Um, but I want to give you your flowers, and I also want to say that like, truth be told, there, the, the, here, here's the reason: black men can't express rage because. They're perceived as being inherently inviol- inherently violent, and that's the way society paints black men, which is why black men are murdered in the hands of police, which is why black men are giving higher sentences, which is why black men are violated in so many different capacities of society, right. And the truth is, they were both harmful to one another. One was responding to the harm that he received. The other was creating harm. And so because he was physically slapped, it might seem, you know, it, people, people think that it's like, oh, he is, he, he's the victim in this situation. But we know that Chris Rock has been harmful to many different fucking people and has never been held accountable. And so there's a complex discussion here about telling somebody that they are wrong. And sometimes it's like, you know, you get beat on, you get beat on, you get beat on until you decide to smack the fuck out of somebody and they leave you the fuck alone. You know how they tell you to fight your bully. You know, like, oh, your bully keep 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 messing with you. You gotta beat their ass. You gotta match they. they you gotta match their energy, so that they can fall back. That's kind of the the the, the reality of the situation. Until um, the bully 
is seen as a hero mm-hmm. in the eyes of others because of what makes him a hero for those folks who are onlookers is the accessibility to black culture that he's provided. Them. Right. Oh yes. Mm. The the comfort mm. that he has allowed for white bodies to drop the N-word in front of him and not be bothered by it when it's clearly not okay. You understand what I'm saying? Like it's it's rich nigga poor nigga shit. You know what I'm saying? Like that dynamic of what makes us comfortable Oh, why we why we rock for you? Because you're you're more palatable black. And Chris' approach to not hitting him back was like, oh, you know, he he was more respectable, more commendable. It's just like we be in white spaces and having to deal with all of these fucking lenses on us, which is also problematic because I feel like how some people responded in that moment, they weren't being genuine. And the reason why they weren't being genuine about how they felt is because they wanted to, to play this into this political correctness because white people felt like X, Y, and Z. And it's like, fuck y'all opinion. Y'all just saw a family, an internal family discussion become real public. And every time some shit happens in that dynamic with the black community, motherfuckers feel like they could tap in and, and, and respond a certain way. But you, you touched on a lot, Kwame, and I think that I definitely under understand that, right? And... The reason why Will has even come forward, genuinely, he does feel bad. You can tell that he genuinely does feel bad. Um, But I also think part of it, too, is the industry that he's in and how that can affect his future. And we have to remember, no matter how we may show up, we could be, you know, creators, we can be in our careers, da-da-da-da-da. The expectation and the lens that people have on Black people is very different. We, we we are born with a different level of expectations that is set against us. And when we don't operate in those expectations, harm happens to us. Him being banned from... Um, what, what, what was it? Uh, the... The... Um, it was the Emmys, right? What... Was it the Oscar? No, the, it was the Emmy. You sure? Hold on. Let me let me type this in. Will Smith. Will Smith band. Oh, it was the Oscars? Let me. I did a I little quick Google search. So said, the Oscar slap heard around the world. Oh. <laughs> yeah, banned for the next 10 years. His penalty for slapping Chris Rock. But, you know, y'all let rapists still show up to the Academy. Y'all let people who are who are problematic as fuck still show up to the academy. It's like black people are always being used to be made an example out of, and we don't fit the image of what white the the white gaze expects. How how the white gaze expects, but the white ooh excuse me, the white gaze expects us to operate. My stuttering came out, <laughs> but um. I think it's this is this is what makes it a conversation. Right, um, oh, it's like the concept of like a a a wrong person can be right twice a day, or or a broken clock can be right twice a day, right? Um, 
I think in this instance, at the time, I supported it, and I still supported it, his approach to protect black women, because we said that shit by any means necessary, and he protected it. But in the same breath, we, we started unpacking conversations about the harm that we, we, we give each other. But the harm didn't start with Will. And so I think we have mm-hmm. to tap into that. And even though the harm didn't start with him, I also think it's important to note that when you do things that are harmful to other people, it's okay to come forward. But did Chris come forward and apologize for all of the statements that he made at Jada, picking at Jada, crossing the line? No. And so he needs to be held accountable too. And that's another motherfucking thing. There's been studies that talk about how emotional abuse is just as harmful as physical abuse. It's just as harmful. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so regardless of him not putting his hands on Will first, he still created harm. So I think what I was trying to get at in the beginning was not that like, oh, I'm on Chris's side now because that's not the point. The point is recognizing how you come forward when harm has been done. Also recognizing that part of him coming forward is at the intersection of what it means to be a black and entertainer and have a different set of rules set up against you because of that intersection. In recognizing a community conversation about how we deal with harm and how we how we work through it, regardless of if it's physical, emotional, whatever, harm is harm. Right? So all of these things are moving at at, at the same time. So are the discussions about what it means to be a black man and dealing with anger, dealing with rage, how the world, world perceives you. When white people do it, it's fine. It's just all oh, whatever. When black people do it, it's, the world is fucking ending. Right? So there's so many moving pieces. And I think we could, we, we, we could save <laughs> this discussion for another conversation once I can better articulate... <laughs> And it's not that I feel like my articulation was bad, but once I could better articulate um, what it is that I'm trying to get at here, like all of these these movement parts, but I do still respect and honor Will Smith, period. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, he's, and, he's still my fresh prince, and that's just that. And I think the majority of us still do have a, have a soft spot in our hearts for Will we all watch, you know, as, as, like he's been, a, he's been a pivotal part of our growing lives. Um, and so, you know, we, we we can't throw away Will or Chris or Jada um, for this bullshit-ass Hollywood um, shenanigans. Mm-hmm. We can't throw not, neither of them away. But we, we need for them to keep it real with us. <laughs> okay, like keep it real with the culture and the community in which you stem from, because we know that the real the real, real world is not us sitting in arenas and 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 and, and, and a million dollar tuxes and gowns. Mm. That's not the real world. No. The real world is is truly smacking somebody in their face <laughs> who disrespects your family. <laughs> That's the reality. Period. It's not taking the like, it's not take, uh, take, taking the high road when somebody goes low. I'm gonna go even lower. 
um, it's none of those things. It's it's like being able to to sit in your soul at the end of the day, and I can sit in my soul at the end of the day knowing that what I did was for the uh, was for me standing up for what I truly believe in. Mm. Period. And if that means me having to return violence, then so be it. I'm in no way, shape, or form advocating for violence. But I recognize, too, that sometimes you do have to beat the bully up. Because he's going to keep on, he or she's going to keep on beating you up. Mm. Ooh! A fucking word. It's so weird. I remember when I was when I was a teenager and I was going to school in suburbia, predominantly white, uh, um, school district in town of Greece, New York. And there was this one white kid named uh, his last name Myers. So I'll just say, you know, for sure, I won't say his first name because I don't want to need a death of a nation. Okay. Um, <laughs> but um, he uh, he was like low key a bully, and so like he thought that. Um, that I was going to, like, um, to kind of submit to his, like, you know, to his bullying tactics. He, you know, he was, like, a bigger, like, bigger white guy, super big, right, for his age. All of us are super small. <laughs> you know, like, like the majority of, of my, my classmates were average height. Probably, like, five, 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 six. Right? Five, 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 six at that time. This boy is, like, five, eleven. <laughs> And so you expect for me to submit and, and quiver away because of uh, because of how suburbia has labeled you as this tough guy? No. no, 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 no. Like, had I not stood up to him, he would have continued to try to beat on me. Rather, that was emotionally, um, through microaggression, through racist um, ideology, through through just typical jot and mean boy, mean girl ideology that usually happens around, you know, like in the suburbanites. Um, and but once he's seen that, oh no, I'm gonna stand up to you, how big you are, and we're gonna fight. And I'm gonna stunt a mud hole, thank me MX, in your face. <laughs> and, and 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 you know that like like till that day he's never bothered me again. Those kids in that school never bothered me again. But but it goes just to show you sometimes you have to to, to do what's like what's considered least um preferred or, or, or the non conventional thing to do in order to get what? Conventional results. Oh <laughs> and that's the problem right there because when we move in that way, it's like how dare you black person move like that? How dare I fucking not? How about that? How dare I fucking not? And so we don't think of it like like that because we are on this kumbaya journey and not recognizing cumulative impact. Some people just think it's 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 a solo problem that causes individuals to react. And sometimes it is. But sometimes it's also a buildup of shit that people get tired of. And so they reach their breaking point and Individuals don't necessarily understand why that breaking point exists, but it doesn't mean that I can't break. I broke. And so is it not human to allow him to experience his human experience? Mm. 
part of the human experience is sometimes fucking shit up, being forgiven, and being able to regroup. That's that's it. That's it. So if we're going to give Chris as much grace because he was the one who was physically harmed, we also have to give Will grace because he's the individual who felt harmed by Chris. And he responded the way he responded, but it doesn't mean he can't be forgiven within his human experience. Because niggas have already forgiven Chris. Let's be honest. Oh, it wasn't that bad. Oh, da 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 Like, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's tiresome. And I think we have to work through the conditioning of how we look at the way people deal with their harm. So that conventional results shit, I agree. Damn it, I didn't expect this to be like a, <laughs> a, a damn near, you know, 35-minute discussion about things that have made us take a step back but I'm glad we did because this is this is important and it's made me think of another future episode for the podcast um, about harm the harm that we we receive and how we navigate through it Getting disconnected on social media can be hard, but the best way to stay in touch with the Broke Black Bougie community is to visit www.brokeblackbougie.com and be sure to sign up for the Broke Black Bougie newsletter to stay in touch with all things BBB, from our newsletter, to our events, to upcoming podcast episodes, to anything that's happening within the Broke Black Bougie community. All you have to do is visit www.brokeblackbougie.com and subscribe to our newsletter by submitting your email. Promise we don't spam, but you're going to be in a note and updated in all the shutters you didn't know. Keep in touch with the community. <laughs> oh, wow. I kind of play too much. <laughs>